Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And it's all over for now. We're talking episode 11 of And Just Like That, The Last Supper, part two, Andre Rashad. <laughs> I called uh, it. Yeah, yeah, you certainly, you certainly <laughs> There's did. There's only so many to choose from. Okay, so Evan, I know this is a big moment for you. A lot is on the line here. What do you want to say? Hmm. I guess, like, <laughs> how to situate so many thoughts. I mean, they'll unspool <laughs> throughout this hour because <laughs> there are so many avenues to go down. I also just finished listening to the Writer's Room podcast. Um, my friend Brendan joked yesterday calling it my favorite comedy podcast, and I have to agree. Um, it is just <laughs> a journey and then some. I'm telling you, if you are not listening, I mean, the Writer's Room podcast is the untucked of And Just Like That. You wow. absolutely need... Are you listening to it, Sean? I haven't listened to a single one. Okay, I want you to, like, if, well, if, you, if you feel so inclined, to check it out for the finale. Your brain will break, reform, and then like be smushed. Like it's it's just really, really compelling. Um, but anyway, my top level thoughts would be it was exactly what I thought it would be. Uh-huh. It was very satisfying. There are there were many high highs. Uh, like at this point, it's like we know the low lows. So I think if anything, it's like I was delighted by some of the moments that really excited me. Uh, two that I'll point out would be like, I was really, well, three. I was really struck by Carrie's black nail polish, um, which I will put a screenshot up of uh, on my Instagram, but I just love, that was like one of the first times I've seen Carrie of like, the like Carrie of Sex and the City was such a trend starter. And mm-hmm. I do not think that has been evident on Anne Just Like That. And seeing Carrie's nails at the dinner party, I was like, oh, I want Carrie's nails. So I love that. Um, big, 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 Big fan of Shu, who I know we met Shu several episodes ago, but I feel like this was like Shu's big rising moment. And then I loved seeing that sex scene with Carrie and Aiden. I loved mm. seeing Carrie on top. I believe it's the second time we've ever seen Carrie on top in a sex scene. I fact checked me someone if I'm wrong, um, but I thought it was a different, uh, different tone for a sex scene that we've seen. The actress- second time seeing Carrie on top. First time seeing Giuseppe on top. Hello. And on the side. <laughs> yeah. Which we'll get to. What a choice position to lose your fucking virginity. Anyway, so all that said, uh, just I feel really great about it more than anything. Sorry to go long, but I just want to say, like, I'm so, so, so happy that this is not the series finale. I really mm. think that, like, as crazy as this show is, there is there are places for this show to go. And I think a lot of other shows that are equally on this sort of like polarizing level don't have the long game in them in a way that I feel like there are plot points. There are deeper places to go with characters. There are different formations of characters to be, to be seen. Um, you know, what is like, are we going to see BD again? What's Toby's fate? Uh, no, I'm kidding. But like, I really do. <laughs> I want to stick with this show and I'm glad that we will have the opportunity. Sean, what did you think? Uh, okay. So 
Interesting to hear your reaction. I think I'm less high on this finale. I like the structure of the finale in that the dinner party was the central, you know, location for this finale. I do feel like if we're having this massive dinner party at Carrie's place, we could have had more happen at it. I've been sort of struggling with how I feel about And Just Like That season two, you know, coming into this, not knowing anything that came before, really, except, you know, that you've graciously been filling me in on and giving me the context to. And I didn't really know how I was feeling about it. And then uh, my friend, Trana Wintour, who is a massive Sex in the City uh, fan, um, comedian from Quebec, uh, she posted a TikTok with her review of season two of And Just Like That, which was scathing. And it, it put a lot of what I was thinking or like feeling into words and it boils down to sort of like nothing happened on this show really where there was a lot I, I look if I think back onto season two what were the main things to happen what were the main events I guess Miranda and Che breaking up is a main event um, certainly a significant moment in Miranda's life but also for this new character Che that had such a huge fan response polarizing fan response that's really the only thing I can pinpoint except Aiden getting together, back together with Carrie. But I don't know how I feel about where we're leaving. I mean, I do think I know how I feel about where we're leaving that off on. And it's pretty unsatisfying. And I feel like for finale, we could have given this a little more oomph in terms of this proposition that Aiden gives to Carrie of waiting five years for him. I feel like she could have had a bigger reaction to that. Uh, and the dinner party setting is so rife for big drama. And it was all sort of sidestepped. And we'll get into some of that. But having said all of that, did I enjoy watching it? Did I watch it twice? Yes. So it's complicated. I feel like we've had this conversation sort of every episode this season that it's like, it's it's a very watchable show. It's not unwatchable, right? We're yes. talking about Big Brother. Big Brother is an unwatchable show. The this Challenge I can USA watch. is an is it unwatchable? unwatchable show. Oh yeah, I'm giving I've been it. hearing it's better this season. No, it's not. And I saw that in some of our DMs. That's ridiculous. <laughs> no, it is not. It is not a well-made show. And okay. I I really, like that irks me. It is, an, it is a poorly, poorly made show and it is really poorly cast. Anyway. So like on the scale of shows that we've covered, I, White Lotus is the most watchable, right? Yes. I would say the least watchable might be uh, The Mole. Oh no, Snake oh. in the Grass. Snake in the Grass, yes. Yeah. We never really covered them all. Yeah. Uh, Snake in also, the Grass is un unwatchable, yes. <laughs> we should not have covered it. <laughs> well, wait, quickly, because we are a Survivor podcast, where does Survivor fall for you, modern Survivor? Where does it fall in this spectrum of watchable versus unwatchable? I would say it's more unwatchable because I think that the 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 thing that's tricky about like modern survivor is that it just tends to be like boring mm -hmm. um, and uninteresting and that's and confusing why, the editing sometimes yes and that's why my one can like sort of push back when people there's like this popular thing that people keep saying and, and they keep thinking like they're, they're the first one to say it when it comes to and just like that where they'll be like i hate this show i want it to be renewed for 500 seasons which is mm -hmm. like people say that about it's like the kind of way in which we like 
it's the evolution of hate watching, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way about this show. I think there are a lot of like really great things about this show, most notably the fact that three fantastic actors are at the center of this show, which is something that many other shows that have been brought back or like revived don't sort of have the gravitas of these three actors to anchor it. So And those those actors, just to be clear, are Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, and Shu, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the same page. Um, <laughs> who I think might be Sarah Jessica's cat. No. I'm going to find out, but I saw, so Alyssa, who is SJ's sort of like right hand, who like runs SJP, the corporation, if you will, um, they post, they reposted and just like that uh, post of the cat and then tagged SJ's son, my friend James. And I just was like, I don't know. It just made me think. Um, yeah. Most curious. But yeah, I, so so for me, I, I just feel like I have frustrations galore with this show, but my love for it is like really quite pure and like unironic. And I think it can mm. be both, but I really don't subscribe to the idea that like, I don't think this show is like a train wreck. I think this show is like, 10 different trains, three of them I'm gleefully on, seven of them I'm worried about. But like, I I just think that like, it's a little too, it doesn't feel accurate for me to like, uh, situate this as something that I hate watch. And I think a lot of people have like ascribed that on this show. And I I don't think that's my perception of it. Okay, maybe we can return to where and just like that season two falls into the broader Sex and the City canon at the end of this. But what do you say we jump into some recapping because there's lots to talk about here, including before we get to the big moment with Samantha, I just need to point out that so the first part of The Last Supper finishes in Carrie's new house, right? And she's wearing this outfit, this blue sweater and uh, multicolored skirt ensemble. She's on the phone with Aiden. (laughs) This laugh. And she's on the phone with Aiden, and Aiden is doing his uh, Nicole Kidman performance in the truck, talking about Wyatt's injuries at the hospital. They sound very serious. He's got broken legs. He's got broken arms. He's, I don't, I don't know, it was half decapitated. I don't know what's wrong with him. And he's in the hospital. So, so we're to understand that Aiden is in the parking lot of the hospital talking about how serious the situation is. Now, part two opens with Carrie coming back presumably from her new house to her old apartment, where she's like in the process of getting things ready at the new house, but also getting ready for the dinner party at her old place. And she's back on the phone with Aiden and saying, so you got Wyatt home from the hospital, okay? So there's a period of like, uh, I don't know how long it would take to commute between the two locations, but let's say an hour, right? Where, (laughs) am I wrong? Where where Wyatt is in critical condition. And now he's back home. You're not wrong, but Carrie did, speak to Shu and mention that she had just gone and picked up the fancy napkins. Okay, so there was a stop. Yeah, there was at minimum a stop. Let's say two hours. I, I under I, I get what you're getting at with <laughs> yeah. some timeline discre- discre- discrepancies. Um, but, you know, we don't know where those fancy napkins were. No, they, yeah, they could have been uh, out of state. They could have. Quick trip to, maybe she had to pick them up from the Hamptons. Her luggage got lost. She took a, yeah, she took a plane. Her luggage got lost. So that's why she's in the same outfit. It's days later. That's possible. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And then the phone rings. And then the phone rings. What do you have to say about the appearance of Samantha Jones on And Just Like That? 
So what I would say is that I am kind of low-key glad that this moment was spoiled. Of course, there is sort of my ability to like remove the memory from my brain and wonder what it would have been like to like have this as a genuine surprise. Mm -hmm. But I think because of the structure of Max releasing this on streaming and not giving it like a proper airtime, and the reality that we wouldn't have all been watching it together in the way that we did with like Tanya's death on The White Lotus, I think it would have been dissatisfying and it would have been ruined for many people on Twitter Mm -hmm. um, in a way that at least, I mean, like, I have to admit, like, it was ruined for me on Twitter. Um, I lied. I did not wake up at 3 a.m. to watch the episode. I woke up (laughs) at 9 a.m. And as soon as I opened Twitter, people were already posting the screenshot. So part of me thinks that, like, this... Although it was, I I know the cast and the creatives were bummed that it got leaked, but I think it kind of did them a favor. But I think, I remember there was like a quote from Cynthia Nixon that she gave where she was like, expressed the fact that she was worried that fans were sort of overhyping what was going to be a very small moment. Mm. I think knowing that sort of caused me and I think many others to like really lower our expectations and realize that like, you know, Kim Cattrall was giving us fan service. I do want to point out something, which is that in the Variety article that Kim did in 2022, the very famous one where she talks about like the power of saying no, which ironically she then said yes to being on the show after saying no, um, she mentions feeling bullied by the press and fans. And I just think that that's really interesting to zoom in on. Because as much as I think Kim would like to message this, and actually everyone involved, as this sort of being like in celebration of the 25th anniversary of Sex and the City, and this being like sort of fan service, I think this was a paycheck. I do mm-hmm. not think this was fan service. I think, just using her words, Kim has a complicated relationship with Sex and the City that extends beyond just her working experience on the show. I also think for people saying, because there's a quote that she gave saying, this is a one-off, this is as far as I'm going to go. She also said no to, well, she didn't say no. She wasn't asked to be a part of this series, but had some pretty scathing things to say about it in that variety piece. And then here she is on the show a year later. So it would not surprise me if Kim found her way back into this universe, even if it's a la Chrissy Snow on Three's Company, where she's filming all of her scenes separately, as Suzanne Summers did on season five of Three's Company. Okay. <laughs> All that to say, briefly, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was not necessary. Uh, It didn't further the plot along in any way. I thought it was a clunky device where it's like, the plane is three hours late, but then she mentions the crew maxed out, which it's like, it's so... Like, why did we need the crew maxing out? Because basically, isn't the plot just like, the the flight got delayed and therefore I can't make it in time. Mm -hmm. I I don't understand. (laughs) Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah. I would have like, I think we could have used our 74 seconds more economically in terms of, you know, how we're going to bring her into the show. Um, That said, it was a joy to see her, love the Fendi bag. And that's how I feel about it. Yeah. You? Yeah. It, like, did I care about seeing her at all? Not really, just because I have no connection to this character. But, you know, I understand it's nice to have her on the show. I do think this is moment number one of this finale that could have been big and dramatic and there could have been a splash and there wasn't one. Instead, it was, I was going to surprise you at your dinner and now I'm not going to surprise you at your dinner because uh, like similar to maybe Kim Cattrall in real life, it was like, I was going to come and spend the least amount of time with you as I humanly could 
because I had to get back for, for there was no reason given. It's just I was coming back the morning after, right? And so it wasn't like I'm I'm really busy in London. I've got like a, what does she work in, PR? Yeah. I've got a PR crisis to deal with, but I was going to make time for you. And now, unfortunately, I can't. It was just like, no, I was just coming for the dinner. So like, I'm just not coming anymore, which was like uh, sort of like low-key bitchy, but that wasn't picked up on in, right. in the show. And so it just felt a little odd. And like, it seems like a wasted opportunity because, yes, we could have established something for Samantha that she's up to in London that is important and furthering her character. Uh, and instead, she just said goodbye to an apartment on speakerphone. And that felt odd to me. Yes. I, and it also felt very pointedly, like, final. Like, everyone was trying mm-hmm. to say, like, this is Samantha's last beat. Um, sure. Uh, I thought it was odd, too, that Kim Cattrall filmed this in New York City um, on a soundstage. But it's like, I feel like we could have taken advantage of having Kim in New York. And, you know, we did the whole bomb cyclone. It's like, I feel like we could have done something that's like, she made it to New York, but she was unable to, I don't know. I just would have loved to take advantage of seeing Samantha in New York City, not in the back of a car on a soundstage in Long Island. Um, What if she was stuck in an elevator? Okay, that we could, yeah, we could, we could, we could consider that. So here's my rewrite. The rewrite is that the call, we get the phone call from Samantha at the start of the episode, but we don't see it. It's just Samantha calling because we're led to believe, as Michael Patrick King intends, that Carrie and Samantha have a relationship off screen that we're not seeing. We do the whole episode, Aiden leaves, Carrie's in the window with Shu, waves goodbye, her phone rings, it's not Seema. It's Samantha. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Kim. <laughs> it's Samantha. <laughs> and Samantha says, Carrie, you're getting on the next flight out. And it's Carrie and Samantha in Greece. Oh, my God. And that's the scene. And then the, you get the single scene we get of them is them together on the beach with their cosmos. Because at the end of the day, as satisfying as it was to see Kim Cattrall playing Samantha Jones in 2023... What the real, and this is what I think people fail to realize because I'm seeing a lot of tweets being like, spin off Samantha onto her own show. No, no, thank you. This show. We already have that. It's called Glamorous. And we wish we didn't have that. Yeah. This show is about these women together, the chemistry of these women. And so I think, if anything, it's like we just were craving that SJ Carrie excuse me, SJ slash Carrie, Kim slash Samantha scene that we were never going to get. Now that said, if I if the choice was have this scene that we got or don't have it, I would absolutely choose have it. Like, I think it was fun and simple and like just sort of like a little piece of candy that was given to us. And I'm certainly appreciative of it. Um, and that's sort of that on that. I'm now, glad we got it out of the way in the beginning of the episode. Now, who or what is Annabelle Bronstein? Ah, okay, so Annabelle Bronstein is a character, uh, so Samantha is using the bathroom at Soho House. This is the Jerry Halliwell episode of Sex and the City, actually. No, no. Yes. The idea is it's so hot in New York City, 
oh, you're going to love this. Samantha bumps into Jerry Halliwell, who's like, I've oh, seen that. I just came from taking a dip at Soho House. You've got to go to Soho House. Samantha goes, they won't let her in. So she says, well, can I at least use the bathroom? So she goes and uses the bathroom. And while she's in the bathroom, she, she finds the credit card of a woman named Annabelle Bronstein. So then Samantha goes to the roof pool, invites Carrie, Miranda, Charlotte, and Stanford. And the five of them hang out at Soho House <laughs> as Samantha assumes the identity of Annabelle Bronstein. And then sort of, you know, hijinks ensue. So it, this was a great instance of fan service um, that it was, I mean, uh, it was super random. Again, I, it's not what I where I would have gone with my 74 seconds with Samantha, but I can also appreciate the callback. Okay, I like that. I do. I did watch that episode. I don't remember all of that, but I do remember Jerry Hallowell saying, Samantha Jones. I bet you do. So <laughs> that's what I did when Kim Kachow popped up on screen this episode. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get to the dinner party, there is some stuff that we need to touch on because there's some fallout from last episode, particularly Charlotte is hungover in bed and Anthony comes to visit to talk about losing his ass virginity and we have this interaction between harry and charlotte where she gives him like a little girl power speech about you know we have been doing these chores that you're complaining about for two weeks uh all of our lives did we need this Yes, this was America Ferrera's monologue. Yes, in the Barbie it movie, was. Yassified. Um, and actually, <laughs> I thought more effective and more economic in word choice. More concise. More concise. Um, yes, I did like this. It's funny. I saw a viral tweet going around being like, we are not talking enough about Charlotte's speech in the, you know, the season finale event just like that. I don't know if I would go that far, but I did like this moment. I think the reason why this beat fails to fully land is that Harry is not the person that the monologue like is being directed toward. Harry is not mm. that guy. Like yeah. Harry actually is a quite supportive husband in many instances on this show. I know they try to sort of like retroactively give him a few beats of like, what do you mean like you're coming home late from work? Or are you having an affair with Mark Kasabian? But at the end of the day, like Harry's a great guy. Audiences like Harry. So I feel like, I love the intention of the speech. I think Kristen Davis deserves her flowers between the drunken like bit in the last episode and this year. I think Kristen Davis has really, I sort of need to not eat crow per se, but like I need to, yeah, she deserves some flowers and, and especially from me because I can be a little tough on her. Um, but I still enjoyed this scene. Um, I mean, Anthony could have called about this. I don't know if it needed a drop by, but I think we're giving the Anthony bottom plot. And by us, I mean the writer's room, we're giving it a lot of, uh, we're, we're making it substantive. It's taking up a lot of space. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, me- be- a lot of wall metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Walls aren't the first thing I think of when I think of anal sex. It's true. Miranda is also making an outing to Coney Island to visit and reconcile a bit with Steve. Steve, who is, in fact, not invited to the Last Supper, because there was a question that we had last episode, because Carrie sort of said, like, hey, you're gonna have to patch things up with Che, but it's not just Che, it's also Steve. So there was sort of a question, like, is Steve at the dinner? No, Steve was not at the dinner, but Miranda is still reaching out with an olive branch. I just have a hard time understanding 
why Steve wouldn't be at the dinner, especially considering he's friends with Carrie independently, as established on this show, and the fact that Carrie was all about encouraging Miranda to, like, uh, get to a better place with her exes. So that felt odd to me. And then also odd, it's like Aiden's willing to come into the apartment after the dinner party, but couldn't come to the dinner party. And also, wouldn't it make sense that Aiden would want to be at the dinner party, A, to see his friend Steve, who should be at the dinner party, but also to see Ravi, his new friend. I mean, what's the movie? Oh, yeah. Um, Kapow? <laughs> something? Oh, God. I'm sure, I believe you. Anyway. Um, wait, oh, my God, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'll think of it. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I had trouble with that. I would say I needed this scene. Uh huh. Um, and I think audiences needed this scene, and I'm glad we got it. I'm glad we got Steve with a little bit of a backbone. I'm glad we got Miranda sort of surrendering some of her indignant nature and and recognizing that it's like she needed to be told. I, yeah, this actually this got me. It's like she needed to be told that like just because something doesn't quote unquote work out doesn't mean that it didn't work out for an amount Mm -hmm. of time. And also, as Steve points out, it's like, it worked for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I just went back recently. I could cry. I just went back recently and watched the season six episode where Miranda and Steve are both seeing other people at this point, and it's Brady's first birthday. And they're in the laundry room, and Miranda can't help but blurt out the fact that She's in love with Steve. And Steve's really taken aback. And Miranda's like super embarrassed. And and he says, well, you know, he's like, oh, well, you know, I love you too. And she's shocked. And she says, well, what about Debbie? Because Steve was dating this woman named Debbie at the time. And he goes, oh, Miranda, you're the one. And I just, there's something about them from his, you know, very beginnings in season two, when he tells her to look up at the blue moon one night, um... I like that this acknowledged that there's a history here that doesn't get undone. So I thought this was really satisfying. Um, I like that it took place at Coney Island. I like that little detail of them staring at the roller coaster because that mm-hmm. sort of represents, you know, later on, Miranda makes the metaphor about her and Che being like a train wreck. I like the idea that her and Steve are this roller coaster, they're facing the roller coaster, and then they both turn away and look out at the ocean, which is what Steve had mentioned in an episode earlier. He would come here and look out at the ocean, and it was finally like Miranda is seeing things from Steve's perspective. And I thought that landed. Right. Yeah, I did really like where they left things, as you said, saying just because it didn't work out in the long term doesn't mean it didn't work out for a very long time. And that's something I've always felt that like, you know, because a relationship ends, it doesn't mean that it failed, uh, especially, you know, when it's as fruitful as like a long term marriage with children, etc. It doesn't have to be viewed as a failure. I mean, like, I think some people stay together for a long time who probably shouldn't stay together for a long time. And so uh, I liked that they sort of addressed that. I also liked that they addressed this question that we've had all season of is Miranda going to wind up back with Steve because he does say, you know, she's saying I want to be in your life if you'll have me in your life like you know we we have a history and all of this and he says well as long as you're not going to go straight on me again um and she says no that's not going to happen yeah i thought that was we needed to understand well i mean i think we as an audience were pretty clear on that but we needed to understand that he 
understood mm. the boundaries of where this relationship can go from here. I wonder, is Steve a part of season three? There's something that feels very conclusive about mm-hmm. where they landed. And yet this was all about sort of like a new beginning for them. So is there a world in which it's like Steve sticks around in this sort of like friend role to Miranda? God, I hope. I mean, we had him on the show on Sex and the City for several seasons where him and Miranda were not together and he sort of stuck around. So I'm in favor of that. I would love to see Steve dating. If we're going to do side characters, Steve is one that I'm very interested in following. Yeah, and the thing about this is that yes, it feels kind of final and they'll say things like, no, I'm not going straight. I'm not like, don't worry, I'm not going to fall for you or like, I'm not going to complicate our relationship in the future. But this is, and just like that, where many things that seem final or seem decided are very quickly undone, uh, you know, an episode later. Yes. And so I don't know that anything is really fully off the table. And that takes some of the uh, weight away from a scene like this, in my mind, as I'm watching with a critical eye. Yes. Uh, but if if we're just taking this as sort of the resolution to this season-long story between Steve and Miranda trying to sort of reconcile and figure out how their life is going to look together, then like, let's just be happy in this moment and we'll deal with the rest in season three, episode one. Mm. Yeah. I also do want to mention here, I made a mistake last week where I was like, mention the fact that Aiden's coming to see Steve. And I was like, why wouldn't he be involved in this business? As it turns out, he is involved with this new venture. He is one of the backers of Steve's new place in Coney Island. And I bring that up uh, one to correct myself from last week, but also to say when Aiden is sort of like, I got to go, I can't, I can't come back. It's like, you also have a vested interest in being in New York from like a, from like a work perspective. Like you just are backing a business that is opening in New York city. So it's like not just a carry thing. You have like a reason um, to be here regularly. So mm-hmm. like, I think we can make this work, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we will. All right. Well, There's one more character we have to touch down on before we go to the dinner party, and that is Naya, who has finally left her apartment for the first time since going cookbook shopping. And she not only has left her apartment, she's in the office, and she's got some good news. She has been accepted to the prestigious American Law Institute, whatever that is. Naya Wallace, how you do amaze me. I gotta say, there is a moment that made me gasp during the Writer's Room podcast where they're talking about Naya's arc, because she's got an arc, and, and Michael Patrick King says... If you thought the big goop of the season was was Samantha coming back in the finale, he was like, no, it's us bringing Toussaint back. He was like, you thought this was just going to be a character in episode one or two or whenever he popped up. But it's like, no, 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 he's back. And I was like, if you think we are (laughs) gooped by that, like, my God, Um, I couldn't believe it's like. The things that they craft in their head. So basically, the arc for Naya is she broke free. Okay, I've got some commentary in the background. I don't know if you can hear. Um, So she broke free from what I think was a happy marriage that really only broke off because he wanted a baby and she didn't. So they break up. They can't reconcile that. 
she has a little bit of casual sex that she enjoys, but ultimately realizes she's not over Andre. That was last episode, right? Mm -hmm. She's buying the stroller. And now this episode is this hot man appears and opens the door and she's horny. Naya is H-O-R-N-Y horny this episode. Also, can I tell you one other really funny thing from the podcast? Yeah. When they were talking about that end scene where he comes back to the apartment, they were like, we don't want to have them in bed together. So they were like, well, what can we do here? And they're like, well, he comes to the apartment and he's hungry, right? Because he's a chef. And then they go, oh, and they were like, and it's perfect because Naya cooks. And I was like, the fact that they think that that's like (laughs) something that in our heads we're thinking, oh, she can invite him inside because she cooks. I was like, that's not, like, in my mind, I'm like, she invites him and she'll give him whatever's in the cabinet. Like, it's not, that she cooks a souffle is not, like, connective tissue to, like, have this make sense. And also, the insinuation is they're gonna fuck. It wasn't like Uh that they were gonna, like, have a little goodnight kiss. Also, the fact that he, like, came inside with the thought of, like, him waiting by the door as though what's gonna happen, it's like, I think we'd be in agreement in a city like New York. Like, once we hit the doorframe... You came all this way with some sort of intention. It's not like good night. Also, he lives in Harlem, as he mentioned. Yes. If he's so, coming out to Brooklyn. Anyway, here's I'm my ahead. bigger. <laughs> yeah. Here's my bigger problem with the Naya storyline in this finale is that she is told that she's been accepted to this law institute, which is we're told very prestigious. We don't know where it's coming from. Fine. So she has a big moment to celebrate in her life. And she comes back to her little apartment with, with and tells her roommate Miranda about this. And she, and she she simply can't enjoy the moment because she doesn't have a man to bounce it off of. And this feels so antiquated and backwards and the antithesis to what I understand sex in the city to be about. I mean, this is the entire concept of the first two episodes of Sex and the City that I watched, right? It's about being an independent woman and not requiring a man to be in your life to enjoy your life. And here is Naya, a successful woman who is making strides in her career and she is so unhappy that she doesn't have a man to tell her successes to that she's not even going to go to the event of the season, which is Carrie's dinner, because she would rather mope about being single in her apartment. This is so wild to me because it's like, I already am not invested in this character because you've spent no time developing her and you've given her nothing to do except make a souffle. And now not only am I bored by her, but I am looking down on her because she is setting women back 30 years. Um, (laughs) Tell it. Yeah, I also, this reminds me too of like where we landed with Seema, which is like, we have this whole, I don't have any great loves and that's okay. Then this guy comes along and the resolution for Seema is, they found, and from the writer's room perspective, they were like, it's empowering because he's like, come with me to Egypt for five months. And she's like, no, right? Which is supposed to be like the powerful moment. But then it's like, they're back in bed together and he keeps checking his phone. And it's like, this is going to be like, a persistent issue for the two of them, which is that like his attention is like locked in to this phone, whether it be work or talking to women on TikTok, which that I don't 
I, I'm not fully aware. <laughs> but I feel similarly to what you're saying about Naya. I feel that way about Seema, where it's like, I'm not quite sure what the ultimate message is because I feel like this show is not comfortable with letting people be single. I feel like that's like something the show really struggles with, which is funny because so much of Sex in the City was sort of men of the week. And this idea of like one of the virtues of being single is that not only can you have lots of casual sex, you can have lots of casual dating. Like that was a big part of the show. And even like you look at Che and it's like the second Che is single, it's like, wait, new love interest, Toby. And then with mm-hmm. Naya, it's like the second Naya is single, oh wait, new love interest, but secretly we brought him around earlier in the season, Toussaint is here. And so I just think it's strange how, even with Miranda, I'm like, okay, finally, Miranda has freed her, freed herself from Che, and then it's like Joy shows up, and it's like, great, another coworker for someone to mingle with. Because by the way, Billy and I were speaking about this yesterday. First, you have Carrie fucking her podcast producer. Mm-hmm. Then you have Seema fucking Ravi, who's one of her clients. Mm-hmm. And now you've got this, and it's like, Everyone, this is not acceptable behavior. I don't know if it's the writer, a lack of creativity in the writer's room, but we need to find people for these characters to fuck or date who are not affiliated in any way with the work that they do professionally. We should have just rounded this out and had Naya fuck the guy that told her that she's in the Law Institute. Yeah, I would have loved that. Who, by the way, that's the famous Andre de Shields Broadway veteran who appears in a season four episode of Sex and the City. So he becomes, I believe, the sixth actor to cross over and appear on both series. So you will see that on my grid later today. What I'm very interested in is taking these actors who have appeared in different roles and then creating a narrative around how they're the same person, yes. you know, yes, and yes, yes. how they became the person that they are when they appear later. In, Which and, they kind in, of make a joke about like on the Writer's Room podcast about, because he plays a tap dance instructor on Sex and the City. So they were saying like, he left the tap dance, <laughs> got his law degree. Um, also something I want to point out while we're on this subject, because Kathy is one of the other actors who appears on both Sex and the City and then just like that. Oh. And you made a comment several weeks ago that really stuck with me where you were mentioning the costuming for Kathy Mm -hmm. and feeling like that's just not how someone who's living in Virginia, raising three kids, not necessarily how they, how, but like it just didn't feel, it felt like she was living in the world of and just like that and not in her own world. And I feel like one of the insinuations made this week with Aiden having to be home is that like he is the primary parent for these kids. The implication is that like Kathy's not around all the time and he wants to be that like solid fixture in their lives. And again, I'm like, what a missed opportunity to have Kathy be a little bit more of a basket case, like a little Mm -hmm. bit. And again, that's not just the costuming, but I feel like the whole approach to Kathy making her seem like someone that Carrie would be like friends with or at least bump into at, you know, Enid's uh, PayPal fundraiser, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I feel like Kathy needed to be a little bit more off her rocker to justify the fact that it's like Aiden feels like he can't leave the kids behind because leaving them with fucking Kathy is yeah. like a punishment. Whereas like the Kathy I met, I was like, I, she can raise these boys. Psilocybin yeah. and all. Totally, totally. There needed to be a reason and it's not enough to say I'm his dad and he wants to sleep at my house. Like that's not no. enough. And he's to be like, Kathy was like two bottles deep asleep on the couch and this kid just walked out of the house and I can't trust her to watch my kids and I'm not going to get into a custody battle with her but like I just need to be there there needs to be something a little heavier for him to leave for five years which that is real 
It's like, send that fucking brat off to boarding school. Think about what um, the parent trap, Meredith Blake, the second she met Annie, or Hallie, the second she met Hallie, she's like, get rid of this bitch. It's like the same attitude (laughs) needs to be applied here. And also, this is something that made me miss Samantha because I feel like when it comes to Wyatt, I feel like Samantha is the one that would like, because Samantha famously not a big fan of children, I feel like it would be so great to have Samantha be like, fuck this little 14-year-old brat. And like give some perspective to Carrie to be like, you're going out of your way to like meet Aiden where he's at. Not only are you taking on Aiden, but you're taking on this family and they've sort of made it be like, oh, Carrie's like ready, willing and able, which perhaps she is. But I would love to complicate the narrative by Samantha presenting the fact of like, do you want a 14 year old in your multi-million Manhattan Gramercy Park townhouse? I don't think you want, you know, you talked about having the walls marked Mm. up at your dinner party. That fucking 14 year old brat is going to be marking up those fucking walls. And you know who's going to pay for it? You, Carrie. So I just think it would have been fun for someone to come in and also for Samantha to like call out fucking Lily and be like that power of privilege song. Not it. Billy eyelash. (laughs) No. Or Lily eyelash. No. Yeah, and I can't believe we never got a reprise of that song. I know, it's like that plot line came and went, which, like, I'm grateful it went, but I'm also sort of like... I'm not grateful it went. I really liked that, and I thought that, like, we had the rock modeling plot line, and then we had the Lily singing plot line, and both just died, and... It, it, there could have been a lot of really great tension there, like we talked about, that, oh, Rock is suddenly, like, uh, an unwilling, like modeling superstar up and comer and lily is the one that's actually chasing the spotlight and not getting it like there was something there that wasn't explored and i do feel like if these shows were made sort of in real time they would be able to react to the response to the power of privilege and sort of like seed it into the show a little more yeah at least put it on spotify Oh, like, have it play and Carrie's, like, Charlotte takes over the ox cord at Carrie's and, like, puts it on, oh. you know? <laughs> All right. Well, we've made it to the Last Supper, so there's a lot to talk about here. I want to first get your reactions to some of the styling. I'd like to hear your top outfit, maybe your bottom outfit. Okay, Just off so, the top of your head. Yeah, I know I didn't give would, you a warning about this. No, this is great. So top would definitely be... Uh, LTW wearing Christopher John Rogers. I thought that was the look of the episode for me. Um, bottom. Oh God. I hope they're not listening. Um, and I kind of think they might be, but um, I didn't love the Oscar de la Renta on Carrie. I feel like we've been, I'm just being honest. I think we've been over-reliant on certain designers, namely Valentino and Oscar de la Renta on. And just like that, I think there's some sort of connection to the houses of, of both of these labels um, that I think we're overusing them. And I felt like it's not that I don't love that dress on Carrie, um, but it just wasn't, I didn't think it was the right dress for the moment. And I didn't think it was again. Well, I actually, I mean, I'd love the nail polish, as I said, but I do love that dress and I do love it on SJ. I felt like that was more of carry on the street um it just felt impractical for a dinner party and i know lol this is not a show about practicalities but that was not a favorite look for me did you have something in mind when you were asking this question well the second that i saw carrie i was like this is the best i've ever seen carrie oh wow okay i was mesmerized every time she was on screen i was 
absolutely bedazzled. Well, let me, okay, yeah. Let, yes, and. Um, I, I, too, thought she looked incredible. Uh yeah (laughs) um i just didn't love this dress for this moment oh my god i thought it was perfect i keep thinking about like this is gonna sound a certain way like i'm not trying to compare but like the difference between pat field who outfitted samantha for that scene put Mm -hmm. it giving her that fendi bag which by the way that fendi bag on the runway is lime green but the one that Samantha has is yellow. So I have to believe that was like, unless it was color corrected. It was yellow? Way. Yeah. I thought it was green. It's like, not lime green. green. Here, it's I not can, lime. I, can I show- think it's color. I think it's color correction, to be honest with you. You do? Yeah. Okay, wait, but I, it's not. Hold on. I'm going <laughs> to. Okay. I'll put this will be on my Instagram, by the way. I so. mean, that's an interesting question because a show that is uh, not so much about fashion, but there, but it has so much discussion around the fashion of it. Okay, I see the difference. I'm looking at a picture. Yes, there is a significant difference. My point being, I, I think... wouldn't be surprised if it was color correction because, but but yeah, to my point, it's like a, a show where the fashion is so highly scrutinized. There must be some conversations about color correction in post production because you don't want to change. The look of some of these. This feels like, I don't know, perhaps. But anyway, my one option is that it's color correction. The other is that it's some sort of custom design that Pat Field went to Fendi and was like, we're doing this moment. Anyway, this just to point out, like that bag to me was a way more exciting get than pulling an Oscar de la Renta dress from the runway, which is, I know there's a faction of people that will find that impressive. I don't. I find mm. that Fendi bag to be like, to me, it was like, that's the Pat Field magic. I do also wonder, you say that this was filmed in New York. Do we know, was it filmed uh, on location or on a soundstage? This was filmed on a soundstage in Long Island. Um, I've got the rehearsal shot. I've got the shot of the the, ch- the, the chair with uh, Samantha's name on it. I've got the, uh, yeah, I have the whole thing. You've got the Did general I tell the ledger story about of the this? studio. Uh, uh, no, I think you hesitated I won't because we don't have time, but just briefly, I was on a flight um, and I didn't have Wi-Fi when someone was like, I'm, I won't say who obviously, when someone was like, I have the, and I'm not going to get anyone in trouble, don't worry. Um, but anyway, I had to download Wi-Fi on the flight to get the photo because I was like, "There's." they were like, oh, yeah, Kim Cattrall's on the set of Anne Just Like That. I was like, no, she's not. I had to download Wi-Fi on the or I had, flight. Excuse me, I had to buy 50, uh, yeah, $40, I know, I know. $40 I Wi-Fi for Kim Cattrall, the things Ooh. you do. I know. Wow. Okay. It's a work well, no, I just do wonder. I do wonder because like it's, it's on a soundstage. I mean, I, I don't know if they're like really using green screen a lot these days. I think they're lo- using the LED um, uh, uh, video, whatever, projection as backgrounds. But you never know. If there is a green screen involved here, there could be – that could be a complication for this bag. Interesting. But I don't I don't know. I'm not – what do I know? <laughs> All right. Okay. So, yeah, I, 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 I didn't have like a, a – to uh, or a boot look uh, for this uh, this dinner party perhaps if i had to choose one i would say miranda i was a little surprised by that look for the dinner party let alone for the bbc interview yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's get into well, wait, but can i yeah. add something to that sure you can also just the idea that like first of all i don't really want to go into the bbc plot <laughs> because <laughs> i can't for many reasons but um but the idea that like Miranda would wear that and then show up at the BBC studio and no one would be like, "You're a little overdressed, lady." Like, can the we throw a blazer was, on this? Yeah, exactly. Like, 
something. It was just like, she's literally wearing like, if you were to be like, show me a cocktail dress. It's like that. She's giving like dinner party on the BBC to talk about the immigration issue. I would be remiss not to mention that Miranda is pretending to be on the BBC, but Evan, you actually are on the BBC oh my God, this I'm on week, the BBC. as is this very podcast. I was going to say, we are on the BBC. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> to see um, yourself quoted when you're not providing a quote. Uh-huh. Um, like they're they're lifting from something because we've talked about this before. Like, I don't think you or I like record this podcast thinking anyone's listening to it. Yeah. And then, so then to like see things that we've said regurgitated on like recognized and, uh, you know, esteemed publications is very funny. I was quite happy with the quote though. Yeah, it's a great quote. <laughs> it made me realize, you know, when it says, it's like, a, you're quoted on the BBC. I, this is not me being jealous. You're quoted, <laughs> you're quoted on the BBC. You're on fucking katiekirk.com. Um, I need to up my quotability game. That's yeah, what um, I need to do. I wasn't going to bring this up on the pod, but <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> um, In my annual you. performance review, we can we can talk about yeah. this. Yeah. Oof, okay. <laughs> Shall we for mine? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's going to be like, uh, so we're recapping Survivor. At, I would say that by episode five, you should know the cast. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm working on it. I know. I I'm know. really gonna for for um, season forty five. <laughs> I'm gonna print. I'm gonna have something printed. I believe because you. I do feel like it's sort of you know you used the word antiquated earlier. Antiquated of me to not know my cast. <laughs> but you know, I hope people. I, I should say like I, I know there's not a lot of crossover here, and maybe like we're, I don't know. There's no nowhere else to address it. But I, there, I, I'm getting lots of questions about the premiere party, so I, I just want to squash this. Uh, yes, is the premiere that, party yes, is yes, delayed. yes. So we we did we did. Pr- to talk a big game about a drop your buffs survivor 45 premiere party in new york city that is not going to happen well uh, but we're never is. we're not saying never we're not Wait, saying no, never it's happening it's not happening for season 45 oh okay so we're it's doing season for 46 premiere yes. party yes. i'm gonna fly to uh new york in in the freezing cold uh but there may be and there may be a viewing party of some kind during 45 we're just we're working on the yes. details here. We're not going to make any yes, promises, just... but it would be fun. It might be low key, um, but you know we're we're gonna we're gonna cross that but bridge when we come to it. If Samantha's crew maxes out, if there's a bomb cyclone, no matter what, Sean will make it to New York City at some point. Yeah, some it, it, look, if I can't time. make it, you can just put me on speakerphone at the event. Yeah, hold it up. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the dinner party. Uh, what <laughs> what do we need to talk about here? I mean, like. Uh, big, big things happening. Charlotte gets an iPhone 14 Pro Max. Yeah, this felt like we needed to, I guess they would, they, the writers would say that there was like a lot that they were trying to wrap up in this scene. But the difficulty with this is it's like some people are wrapping up plots that just began an episode ago. And then some people are like wrapping up like much larger arcs. So in the case of like Miranda Che, we're wrapping up their season arc. But in the case of like Anthony, we're wrapping up a bottoming arc mm-hmm. that began last episode, mm-hmm. right? It was last episode? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that was sort of like totally made for a lot of, a lot needed to be accomplished in a little bit of time. Um, I understand the excitement of like having all of your characters in a room together. I think the problem in a show like this is that, the excitement about seeing like smoke 
or Lisette is not the same as like, because there is a part of me that's like, ooh, I like the idea of like Anthony interacting with Che. You know what I mean? Like the idea mm-hmm. of like these two queer characters in a room together. Like that to me is somewhat interesting, but the comp- like, but the idea of like Herbert being in a room and like interacting with Lisette, it's like, <laughs> I need a shot. <laughs> I'll just yeah. catch me in the kitchen with the bartender and Che doing the shot. Yeah, I do think that there's something like uh, there could have been some editing of the guest list, maybe to make it a little more fun. And I I liked the concept of like Jackie and and Smoke walking in. And I I actually liked that Lisette was like with Che. I loved the podcast. Like I love I liked that sort of reference that oh Lisette actually. So someone was listening to this podcast. Shame that it ended, but like it ended. Uh, and and no, that no, we no. got this that. This is the original podcast that. Yeah, ended I know, I know. Che. Okay, okay. Yeah, that ended because Che had this failed pilot, and that that was all sort of like acknowledged. Um, I didn't mind that, but then to have these sort of like outsider characters that I don't know anything about, and I recognize that like the most of the audience does know about them, but to have Smoke and Jackie uh, and Che and Carrie all together, uh, sort of like this this reunion of sorts. Uh, that then that sort of doesn't go anywhere beyond a hug is disappointing to me. And then very similar to that is like this moment. Here's here's one of these missed moments where Miranda comes in and talks to Che and just kind of says, you know, they have a very civil conversation about, you know, your jokes sucked and they were horrible. And but we're not but we're not going to make a moment of this. It's like, well, why not? This is a TV show. I get that we wouldn't make a moment of this in real life, but this mm-hmm. is a TV show. So let's make the moment. So I hear that. I really, really like that scene because I thought it was like the most Miranda we've gotten in a while. I like, mm. I liked her beginning the scene by sort of like popping the balloon straight away and being like, listen, we have to be cordial. We're both going to be here. But to your point, it doesn't mean that they couldn't have had that small scene and then like Miranda's real feelings festering throughout the night watching Che flirt with Lisette and then Miranda like exploding. Is it here that we can talk about the seating arrangement? Sure, why not? What the fuck was Miranda doing on the other end of the table? It's like Charlotte is to Carrie's right and Che is to Miranda's left. Excuse me, Che is to, wait, sorry. Charlotte is to Carrie's right and Che is to Carrie's left. I'm like, this, this friendship between Carrie and Che needs to end. I feel more strongly about the Carrie Che relationship ending than I did about the Carrie, or excuse me, than I did about the Miranda Che. Sorry, I'm like, the names are just <laughs> not coming out today. Um, speaking of Survivor. I Yeah, that seating arrangement boggled my mind. And then to have, okay, so there's 16 people, right? So you have seven on one side, seven on the other, Carrie at the head, and someone else at the other head. To have Seema and Naya together on the end meant that there was an odd that it would have had to have been seven on one side six on the other two on one end and one on the other make that make sense to me well i also would have liked that as far as i understand this i think carrie was expecting aiden to come right i thought that that was the implication or that that, like he might or that he might make it. And so I would have liked to have seen an empty seat to create a little bit okay, of wait, that wait. tension. Let's add up how many people were there. Okay, so we have Che, Smoke, Jackie, Anthony, Giuseppe, Ravi, Sima, Naya, Miranda, 
LTW, that's 10. Herbert, Herbert Lissette, Harry, Charlotte, Carrie. 15 people were there. Okay, so that would mean we've got six on each side, two on the end. So then I can't believe go- I didn't get a round of applause for just... Sorry, sorry. sorry. Well, I think Thank you had it written down. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that I had it written down. I appreciate that, although I'm not surprised. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so then with what you're saying, so Carrie's intention was that Aiden would be at the head of the table with her. So if that is the case, I would have needed the place setting. And mm-hmm. also, so you're telling me that Carrie was going to seat Aiden next to Che after... And after making Aiden endure that comedy set, it's like, wouldn't you put... So if you're not going to put Miranda there, which I think you would because they go back decades at this point, wouldn't you want to put Ravi there, Aiden's bestie? Well, and, and it's just like... So, and the, the way that I listed them off was in the, in, the, in the clockwise order of them giving their words that they want to let mm-hmm. go of. And so that is the order of the seating, right? From, from Carrie's left around the table. So we have... Che, Smoke, and Jackie right there at the top. And I get that, like, so they have this podcast connection and stuff. But to your point, shouldn't Miranda be up there? I would say that I would say that the the seat either to the left that Che is sitting in or to the right that Charlotte is sitting in should have remained empty for Aiden in case he showed up. Mm -hmm. And it would have been interesting visually. It would have just, you know, created that that empty space that would leave us uh, sort of like when Aiden does show up that, oh, oh, now that's paid off. Um, and so we either shift everybody down, but you still need to swap. It's just like, what is Smoke and Jackie doing? Like even the, the fact that Che is next to Carrie, that's fine. But then, but then next to Che is Smoke, right? Like, I don't know who that is. I don't think that they belong at, at the top, at the head of the table. So I no disagreement here. Yeah. And LTW is way at the end. It's a, it's a little odd. Yeah, you're right. This is odd. I didn't really think about it at the time, but now I'm worked up. I'm worked up so too. So thanks. And then that we spend so much time at this dinner party dealing with Ravi trying to shoot his film in Egypt. I mean, like, if we just take a step back and be like, this is the farewell to Carrie's apartment from Sex and the City, and the biggest drama happening here is that Ravi, a character we met three episodes ago wants to shoot his film in front of the Great Sphinx in Egypt and can't, and Seema thinks he's making it up, is like, why are we wasting this precious time in a show that they didn't know they were going to get renewed for season three? Like, this could have been it. This could have been the farewell to Carrie and her apartment. And we spent a lot of time with Seema and Ravi fighting. It's difficult. It's very difficult. And... I don't know. Do you want to talk about Anthony and Giuseppe? <laughs> no. No, I didn't. I don't either. Uh, I. What do you think of this uh, LTW stuff? Because again, coming back to the timeline, so I don't want to be insensitive here, but so I'm to understand LTW miscarried last night. I don't have a sense of the timeline. Okay. Can I? That was you? my impression. If it wasn't last night, it was the night before. Uh-huh. And, and so Charlotte walks in and sees LTW drinking and is like, oh, my God, you're drinking. Um, and then we get this, you know, revelation to Charlotte that we lost the baby. Um, and I thought that that was all sort of a little flippant, maybe. Uh, but I did like the moment of LTW going to the bathroom to just sort of take a moment to herself and Herbert going in and then them having this discussion. But again, it's just one of these things that they're like, 
I mean, at least they addressed it, uh, but it was addressed for 30 seconds and then sort of like moved on. And it just sort of highlights my problem with LTW in this season that I've seen that uh, I don't think that they cared about this character. And just there were just sort of moments sprinkled throughout the season where we were sort of highlighting uh, LTW's continued success and i was looking for a little bit of a conflict with her character uh, and then it feels really superficial to me to give her a pregnancy miscarriage storyline within the span of one episode uh, and then have that be the conflict for ltw this season and then it's probably never going to be addressed again uh it, i just feel like it shows a lack of care for these characters and so if we don't care about these characters why are they on this show agree i also think the idea that what brought out the emotion from ltw was carrie saying i gotta put my baby to bed in reference to shoe the idea that that (laughs) is the connective thread for not for ltw to then you know, have these feelings bubble up is crazy <laughs> to me. I never considered that. Crazy. And it's just funny that it's like, there's this dinner party, but it's like, Miranda doesn't want to be there because of Che. Naya doesn't want to be there because she misses Andre Rashad. LTW doesn't want to be there because she just had a miscarriage. It's like, this does not seem like a great night for a dinner party. Aiden doesn't want to be there because he won't come in the house. Also... The way this show makes a Michelin chef out to be Zeus almighty. I'm like, if you invited me to a dinner party with a a Michelin chef, I'd be thrilled. I don't think it would be like a talking point for me as far as like, I would be like, yes. And that would, then I would move on. Like, I just don't, this is not some sort of like Mount Rushmore. Like, I don't know. What's something people really exalt? (laughs) Mount Rushmore. Oh, what's the demon from um, Hereditary Pie? Uh, yeah, don't couldn't couldn't come up with that. Uh, payment, payment. Okay. Anyway, uh, oh my god, I just watched The Exorcist. By the way, anyway, I'm not a big fan of The Exorcist. It is so good. It's so scary. Really? Anyway. Because every time I watch it, I'm like, wow. You know, like all these like classic horror movies, which some of them I like, but a lot of them you're like, you have these memories of them, and like the memory of The Exorcist is really like the possession and the walking down the stairs like upside down backwards and stuff like that uh and the head spinning around but like those movies are fucking long and they go Mm -hmm. some wild places like poltergeist is not a movie about a poltergeist poltergeist is a movie about like a psychic ruining a family's life anyways (laughs) i will leave that there Uh, but I, i did need like a little bit of a moment here where Che or somebody or Jackie or somebody with a little like levity could have been like nice food like nice 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 experience nice dining experience where's the real food mm-hmm. you know like that, they're leaving the party hungry that would have been Jackie yeah um, okay well Carrie asks everybody to go around the table and say one word something they want to let go of and there's not allowed to be repeats just like really like putting the rules down on them Mm-hmm. I would like to ask you, Evan, what is something you would like to let go of from And Just Like That season two? You can say more than one word, too. No, no, no. Let's keep to the... to the. Oh, you're going to you're gonna pull a Herbert and say, come back to me. No, no, no. I'm not. Okay. Um, something... 
I God, they really go out of their way to be like, isn't Herbert a great husband? And I'm like, sure, I don't need him on the show. Um, something I would like to see, wait, see, see more of in season two. Sorry, what's the what's the question? No, something, something you I'd want like to, to get rid of. Something leave you want behind. to let go of. Okay, let go. you don't like even to... have to like leave it behind, but it's just like I need to let go of this, you know, reaction or this experience or wh- however you want to interpret it. I would like to let go of Lisette. Hmm. You, Wyatt. Okay. Yeah, I think. Also, just as a little preview, I will be doing a power ranking of every named character in and just like that season two. Okay. And I will tell you that we are, I'm currently tabulating. We are into the eighties. Wow. Yeah. You're going to love some of the people that you have forgotten existed, but absolutely exist. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a random one that that was named. And there was like Drew Barrymore, but that's not quite random. Drew's on the list. Ross Matthews. Ross Matthews is not on the list. And oh my God. See, this is why I need to consult with you. Okay, adding. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. How are you making this list? Are you going through IMDb for the episode? No, I went through every episode, but that's, there's obviously the oversight. Yeah, just check the IMDb's for each episode. Mm -hmm. But it's difficult because it's like, so for instance, the therapist that they go see uh, Charlotte and, and Harry over his uh, semen, he is named, but the therapist that Miranda and Steve and Brady go see, like the family counselor, they're listed in the credits just as counselor, so mm. they don't get, they don't make the list. No, sure, that's fair. So. My concern would be that perhaps somebody has a name like I on IMDb because of some that they, they, you know they have got a hold of some credits or like a script or something like that, um, but they're not named on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, getting into the weeds of this, is there anybody that you wish had been at the dinner party that wasn't at the dinner party? Yes, I wish Bitsy Von Mufflin yes. would have yes. been there. I think the audience too missed her, and I also just think it would have been a great opportunity for a callback of the sex in the city character that we hadn't seen or heard from that were made to understand is still in Carrie's life. And I think the list is long for who that could have been, but I just think there was an opportunity there. If like, we're getting lots of people together, let's give the audience a little something. Maybe, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Enid from earlier in the season, maybe Gloria Steinem. (laughs) You know? Yeah, that would have been great. Would have been great to have an interaction between Che and Gloria Steinem. I mean, Well, Miranda has to rush off to go to the BBC Studios. We talked a little bit about that. But not only is she going to the BBC Studios, but she's going for drinks after. Uh, And we've got a new budding romance, which surely will not be a thing in season three. I hope not. And we have, uh, we've got this montage, right? So before we get to Aiden, I just want to talk about the montage because we've got... Charlotte and Harry setting up the iPhone. It's like, once again... Prison. So we're ending the show here. I realize this is not the final scene, but we're leaving some beloved characters behind. And one of those characters is Charlotte. And where are we leaving them? Frustrated over setting up a new iPhone. It feels really strange and empty. It does, but I also... It's like, where else are we going to end the show? With like them cuddled up watching the Americans? Like, I feel like there weren't 
many places to go with Charlotte. I would almost prefer that. I do too, because I would say one of the great things about Charlotte this season was that obviously like I know her arc was her going back to work, but I feel like Charlotte had sort of some of the best plots in terms of just like ate the weed brownie, got drunk with the gallery girls, like Charlotte, uh, the, the weird thing with the real deal, which I, I mean, some of these things as I'm saying them aren't like high points for me, but I at least <laughs> like the fact that Charlotte kind of like got into some mess. Yeah, what if, so if we're going to rewrite here, if I'm going to rewrite, she's got this new phone, she's had, you know, a a couple little incidents with Harry, but, you know, they're back on the same page and we're seeing them be a couple and we're getting a sex in the city montage of sex in the city. What if she had set up her new iPhone and they were making a sex video? Love it. That would have been hot. Well, like, and Richard Burton, like, it would have been hot for Charlotte. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, I do just want to say on that, and I do have to go, like, um, literally, but um, I did want to say, I feel like what I would have wanted, because you know how Joy makes that joke being like, you're going to need a drink after this? I would love a plot line that involved Miranda drinking again, a la, so Luann on Housewives got sober and then, like, reintegrated alcohol into her life, which was, like, sort of dicey. Because, you know, audiences love when housewives are drunk. But anyway, I thought it would have been a really good plot to visit because I know we completely abandoned Miranda's alcoholism and then went her like she went fully sober. I would love the complexity of Miranda having a new love interest that sort of forces her to reintegrate alcohol into her life and sort of like Mm. the trouble that that could bring. I feel like that's a very sort of like a plot that I've not seen on a show before that is very real to real life, which is people that abuse alcohol but are not necessarily alcoholics i mean i guess it's very complicated too right i mean maybe anyone Mm -hmm. who abuses alcohol is an alcoholic but i like the idea of like because that's a real pressure that sober people face um which is just the social aspect of drinking and the idea that like could miranda be convinced to drink again because she's on a really great date and thinks it's just one drink i like that idea right right well, let's talk about Aiden before we wrap this up, because Aiden comes back to Carrie's and he, as we talked about, he says, look, I've got to be there for my family. Can you give me five years? And Carrie's like, okay, what's this all about? And how do we have a season three? And how are we, how are we supposed to feel about it? Um, because the implication when we when we are in Greece, because she says, and there will be other men, or she's something about like ah, she says something like she, yeah. The implication there, is my- that like we're going to get Carrie dating, or or I, I don't know. It's like okay, first of all, I have trouble with the timeline, right? So he's fifteen; he'll be eighteen in three years. Which like so, why are we sticking around through Wyatt's first two years of college, where he'll ostensibly be gone Uh um so i I have trouble with the five year aspect versus the three year Uh and i also just like i get their intention to like make carrie overall like more chill and less like grating which i would argue is like one of the things i love about carrie but like they really like mellowed her but for her to just be like oh my boyfriend's leaving for five years i can't go to the hamptons i'll go to greece I get wanting to end on a light note, but like similarly to like Big Die, this is like a really big wrench in her Mm -hmm. life plan that I think needed to be given a little bit more gravity. 
And am I not mistaken? I think that Trana talked about this in her review on TikTok was that like Carrie will be in her 60s at this point. Like Mm -hmm. she's not getting any younger and she's being asked to wait five years to have a relationship. Like that is so unfair. And what I really needed from Carrie was like a no. This is like you have an ultimatum here. I understand you want to be with your family, but I can't wait five years. This is crazy. And to see her just sort of be a pushover like this was really disappointing to me. This is a season finale. Let's make a decision. But I also like, I'm not clear on like the writer's intention with this scene, right? Like is in their mind, cause they have to be thinking about season three. Like I under, I think from their perspective, it's like they, they want, they're inviting that ambiguity of like uh, the uncertainty, but I just feel like it's not in line with the Carrie that we know who would want to have some sense of like what this all means. Like in Carrie's mind, does this mean she's going to be going, is she potentially moving to Virginia? Is she going to be going down there every weekend now? What is her, it's just normal human behavior when someone tells you that that upends your idea of like how life was going to go, that you start to, and then, but then it's clear like he wants to make this work. So in Carrie's mind, the wheels have to be spinning about like, the consequences of this, right? Yeah. And I see some people online being like, wasn't this great? It's like, and oh, oh, even the writer's room, they were like, you know, we wanted this season, it's like, Carrie hurt Aiden, so we wanted Aiden to hurt Carrie. And as the world's biggest Carrie apologist, let me just say, I don't want to see Carrie hurt. I also watched season one of this show and the beginnings of season two, which were all about the residual hurt that she felt in watching her husband and the love of her life die on a Peloton and then walk in and find him dead. Um, I think we can like move at past hurt. I think we can give Carrie some happiness, which I know we got a little bit of, but then like she's ultimately being drop kicked here. I don't know. Yeah. And it just feels like with, you know, something that was dropped was this thing that she said to Miranda and Che about, well, you know, maybe big was my big mistake and that I should have been with Aiden. And now she's with Aiden and he's kind of like treating her like an afterthought. Yeah. Maybe and Aiden she's just being asked to sit around in her big new empty home for five years. Like I need to see some strength from Carrie here and be like, that's not okay with me. You can come back in five years, but I might not be here. Yes. Like that's what I need, right? Uh, so I don't know. I, I thought I felt like this was a really bad way to leave our main character. I concur, but I did okay. love the pink dress and the hat. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. With okay, all that well, said, I just want to thank yeah. everyone so much for joining us on this journey, and by everyone, I mean Sean Ross for reluctantly <laughs> accepting my ask to spend eleven weeks. I gotta say, like this was something. This was a journey that we've completed. Um, yeah. I texted you yesterday and asked you a question, which I'll ask you again now. Are we doing this again for season three? I don't think we have a choice. Okay. Uh, the the numbers don't lie. People people wanted to hear this, so we're yeah, seated. Look forward to we next just seated. Summer. We have a seat at the table. <laughs> <laughs> look forward to next summer. Uh, uh, <laughs> what did I call it? Drop your Birkins, a SEMA podcast. Yeah, there will be a whole rebrand. Um, but do you're going to be posting your final meme cap, and I'm sure a lot of other content. But on that final meme cap, what do we want people to comment as an emoji? Who you got to comment the this? cat in honor of shoe. Didn't we do the cat last week? I mean, okay, fine. How about um, a shoe? No. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. Shoe. Yeah. Okay, shoe. A shoe for shoe. Wait, no, a shoe and a cat. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a what I was going to say. It was like a shoe was a little on the nose for Sex in the City. Oh my God. Um, I love shoe. Okay. Shoe. All right. <laughs> shoe With that, rise. thank you so much for listening. Ta and cheerio and have a great night. Sure. <laughs> Ta. Ta.